When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to put the NFL season to bed with two of its greatest players today, Brett Favre and Warren Sapp. Uh, we're going to close out the 2024 season. Final thoughts on the Super Bowl. Final thoughts on Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. Travis Kelsey said his behavior was unacceptable. We'll see what Warren Sapp and Brett Favre have to say on today's show. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Good Ranchers. Fall in love with beef, chicken, and seafood all over again by subscribing to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code FEARLESS to get $240 in free bacon with your order. It's so awesome to have the good folks at Good Ranchers back on board with the Fearless Army, and they're blessing us with free bacon. Who doesn't love applewood smoked bacon? All right, time for some fun slinging with the gunslinger, one of the greatest football players of all time, Brett Favre. Uh, Brett, uh, I want to start with not a specific question about the Super Bowl or anything like that, but ha have you ever been to the Super Bowl just as a fan? Uh, yes, I have. Enjoyed it? Yes? No? Um, I, I think I would have re rather watched it at home. Uh, <laughs> you know, the older I've gotten, uh, the, the less social I am, I guess, and in, in, there's as you know, there's tons of people. Um, it's chaotic. Um, it's hard to watch a game. It's much easier to watch it at your own house, peace and quiet. I, it's weird. I've probably been to 15 or 20 Super Bowls, and I feel the exact same way. If you actually want to watch the game, <laughs> get all the yeah. replays and know what's going on, uh, and you know, not have to stand in line at the bathroom. <laughs> You're better off. Uh, anyway, uh, much better at home. And so watching it at home, uh, what did you think of Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and, and Travis Kelsey getting in Andy Reid's face and, and pushing him a bit? Travis Kelsey has gone on record now on his own podcast saying, it was unacceptable what, what he did. Uh, I thought it was weird how there wasn't much discussion of it uh, when it happened or at halftime, particularly with the Chiefs losing at halftime and not playing with a lot of composure. But anyway, your, your thoughts on this? Um, well, there's no question that Travis Kelsey is a, a tremendous player. Um, I mean, no one can argue that. 
Um, I, th- I think his actions there with Andy were were certainly out of line. Um, but uh, as you said, I mean he he apologized for it, and um, you know Andy obviously handles everything with uh, um, with insight and. Um, you know, I mean, he, he has a way of making things better. Uh, you know, and, and you know, the thing about a, a really good player, um, much like Travis Kelsey, emotions play a big part of it, and sometimes they get the best of you, and that's what happened there. I, you know, I don't know the exact details of of uh, of Travis's reasons, but you know, again, he apologized for it and. It, it it just was the biggest stage in the football world, and he and he does that to arguably maybe the greatest coach in history, uh, or or potentially the greatest coach in history. Um, you know, I mean, you just can't do that. And he let his emotions get the best of him at that time. Now they came back and won the game, um, which, as you know. Winnings kind of soothes the the emotion sometimes. Yeah, it, had they lost, it would be at a much bigger story. And yeah. and so I want to kind of leave it, leave Kelsey out of it, and just speak about. Again, I'm 56. You're 50, 51, early 50s, whatever. And I think about your dad being a coach, and I think about the era we grew up in. And coaches were on such a high pedestal. Yeah. And and it feels like to me, and again, not picking on Travis Kelsey, I'm really just talking about athletes in general. They have so much more power and leverage. They're actually more powerful than the coaches. And and Brett, when when I you and I grew up, there was nothing more powerful than your head football coach. You went, if you had any problem. You had a problem in English class. You went to your football coach and hopefully he could solve it. If something was going on with your dad, you went to your co- hopefully something he could solve. But, but yeah. now all the power and leverage is with the player. They make so much money. Travis Kelsey's this huge, huge superstar. And it just seems like respect for authority and for head coaches is just diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. So I'm, I'm really not that surprised that this happened. Um, I agree with you 100%. I think the the coaches have lost, and I don't. I can't blame the coach for for losing the the status of being the foremost authority. I think the only place where a coach has any power or still is considered, you know, the guy is high school. They don't pay. I don't think they pay high school players, at least not yet. Um, but you know, you got college football players that are making more than their head coaches in college, um, and being offered Maseratis and Rolls Royces. And, um, and of course in pro football, um, the, the, the salaries are astronomical and, um, I, it's a totally different ball game. It's a totally different ball game. And um, 
you just, I, you know, I don't, what do you do as a fan? You just accept it, I guess. I want to go, because again, I would imagine, I'm speculating here, but in Mississippi, perhaps you live in a more rural area than in a major city. And so I, you may not be aware of this, but like in these major cities across the country, high school kids, it's not about the money they're getting, although they are now starting to get some early name, image, and likeness money. But what they're doing now, which wasn't a part of our deal when we were growing up, is they might play for two or three different high schools during their high school career. They move around just like a transfer portal, uh, like any place else now. And so even in these major cities, the high school coaches don't have near the leverage that they used to have because kids will just switch schools on you. Yeah, fortunately here in Mississippi, and I, I think you would agree, the, the level of talent that comes out of this state is unbelievable. Uh, I think they put up a stat every year, how many players represent each state and, and based on our uh, population, we're at first or right at first every year. Uh, so tremendous football players in this state. And fortunately that hasn't been the case where guys move around. Uh, there are a lot of rural, really good high school football teams um, as well as players. And they kind of stick to their high school. Uh, I'm not going to say that th it hasn't happened, but I'm not aware of it. Gotcha. Uh, I want to move on to Brock Purdy. Uh, I, I left the Super Bowl going, Brock Purdy's a nice player, but he's not – He's, he's not the guy that's going to make chicken salad out of chicken doo-doo. And that's not a knock on him, but it's just like he doesn't have when, – when things break down, he's not going to be the difference maker. When someone forgets to block Chris Jones, he's not going to do something magical with his feet or arm to compensate for that. Do you think Brock Purdy is the long-term solution uh, for the 49ers at quarterback? I think right now, yes. Um, it, it, I, I don't disagree with your assessment. Um, I think that that, that uh, at least at this point, he's he's shown some limitations that uh, that I don't want to say have cost him the game uh, because he's he certainly kept him in every game they played in since he became the starter. Um, but I, I I do see some maturity and. I think in last week's game or two weeks ago, he showed some some abilities that we we really thought he didn't have, and that was mobility, where he ran the football, moved around, bought some time with his feet. And in this day and age, you have to do that. You have to show more of that, and you don't have to be a Lamar Jackson. You don't have to be you know a hundred yard rusher. But you got to be able to move around and make something happen because the, the, I feel like the defenses are a little bit ahead. It's certainly the good teams where their defenses are, are uh, ahead. You have to move around and buy some time and, and make some plays with your feet. And he's shown that, I would say, in my opinion, two weeks ago was really the first and only time he showed it. Um, 
but you, you can't uh, discount what he has done. And, and I think that he will get better. And I think Shanahan is an unbelievable coach, and he's a great quarterback coach. He, he, he does a great job of putting the quarterback as well as the offense in positions to succeed. Now, he's, he can only do so much, so then it's up to the players to make something happen. And they had opportunities in that game to put it away. Uh, you know, the missed extra points certainly didn't help. Uh, so, so a few little things are cleaned up, not not just with Brock Purdy, and and they're Super Bowl winners. Uh, so I, I think right now Brock is the future. Brett, I want to move to uh, Kyle Shanahan. A lot of people saying, oh, guy, offensive coordinator with a 28-3 lead in Atlanta, two 10-point leads as a head coach in the Super Bowl, and, you know, no Super Bowl titles uh, to show for those three situations. I is it fair to say that uh, Kyle Shanahan perhaps has a problem in big games? Absolutely not. I think he's a tremendous coach, and I think, first of all, we're talking about him being the coach in the Super Bowl, whether it be offense coordinator or the head coach in, in two. I, I think the two losses they, they could have won, and in some cases, in some arguments, you could say they should have won, uh, and there's reasons for that. I think Kansas City is a really good team, and I said this on this show early in the year. Um, I think you posed a question that uh, Baltimore or some of the other teams could be considered the best team in football at that time. And I said Kansas City is. And um, my reason is until someone knocks them off the pedestal, they are the best team. And, and it just so happens that Kyle has lost to the, the Chiefs twice. Uh, and, you know, the Chiefs are – you know, uh, they're not quite a New England dynasty, but they are inching their way closer. So uh, they they were so close, um, and there, there's factors that that go into re that why they did it. And I, I don't think it's a knock on Kyle at all. I think he's an excellent coach. Yeah, they make an extra point. We may be having a completely different discussion. The guy right. missed, got an extra point kick blocked, which and and you know who, Christian McCaffrey is not that, a fumble. Yeah, that enabled the Chiefs to to have they they gave him a choice. Yeah, otherwise they wouldn't have had yeah. a choice. Yeah, uh, Andy Reid, his legacy. Uh, unlikely to get to six Super Bowls like Bill Belichick, but next year he has a chance at a three-peat, which has never been done. If if Andy Reid were to three-peat, would that put him on the same level as Bill Belichick? I think, yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, they're, they're very similar. They have a great quarterback. Um, Andy has a I think a totally different coaching style, but the fact that that he would three-peat if that were to happen, the fact that he took another team to the Super Bowl uh, w with a totally different quarterback uh, certainly adds to the value um, 
you know, Bill Belichick is a, is a tremendous coach. And, you know, I think sometimes people make the argument that, yeah, you had Tom Brady. The same could be said with Andy Reid, but you have to manage those players. And I think Andy has had to to, to manage a little different with uh, with the star power, you know, and has, has, has done it as good as anyone can do it. And um, I think if he three-peats, yeah, I think he's in the same breath as Bill Belichick. There are people now that Pat Mahomes has his third title. They want to put him in the category or in the conversation with Tom Brady. I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love what Patrick Mahomes has done. I, it'll be Patrick Mahomes may get six or seven Super Bowls. It will always be hard for me to put him on the same level as Tom Brady just because uh, they've illegalized tackling in the NFL. <laughs> and it's just not the same game. But I, I don't want to take shots at Patrick Mahomes, but I just think what Brady and the guys before him did, the degree of difficulty is, is there's such a difference in degree of difficulty that it will be tough for me to put Mahomes on the same level as some of the guys that played before him? I think it's unfair to both at this point. Um, certainly you can't say that he's on Tom Brady's level at this point. Uh, it, it's just unfair to Tom, and quite frankly, it's unfair uh, expectation-wise to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's no question both are great quarterbacks, but let's be honest. Tom Brady did it several times with a much less talented team. Um, in fact, I think his first first one uh, was his first year to play, and no one had ever heard of him. And they went and beat the greatest show on turf um, with a with a mediocre team. Uh, they had some good players, but Offense. they were about defense. Defense. Yeah, defense. Uh... Defensively, they've had They've had some good players. Adarius Thomas and Richard Seymour, uh, Vince Woolfork, um, and Ty the Law. list goes on. Vrabel, Ty Law, they've had some really good players, and they, they were a synergy defense, but offensively, I mean, they had a couple of guys playing both ways, you know. Uh, but he – he is about as flawless a quarterback as you have, will ever see uh, in, in our generation. Um, he made the, the perfect read, the perfect throw. He moved around in the pocket just, just right to, to make the plays. And, um, you know, I, I just think that Patrick has a long ways to go before he's compared. I mean, he, he certainly – well on his way, but uh, I just think that, that Tom did it with offensively a, a lesser team. Yeah, I, I think I think you're you're right there. And again, for me, it comes down to degree of difficulty. That I'm I'm just so frustrated with the NFL and how easy they made it on quarterbacks. I just don't think it's fair to you older guys. Uh, the stats are out of whack. The whole now, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm not going to be the old man yelling on the lawn today. Brett, uh, we're at the end of football season. Uh, I'm hoping, and we'll talk off air, that 
we can continue a, a conversation, maybe not weekly, but have you back on the show yeah. monthly or during the offseason because I've certainly enjoyed getting to know you. I, I've really appreciated you uh, lending all of your football credibility to me in this show. Uh, it, it's, it's been awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a couple things I, I, I want to do with you or, or for you. I, 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 I want to talk about your faith journey and my faith journey and just uh, my legal situation. Christ, <laughs> I really don't care well, about that. You know, uh, well, I know, and I think people, <laughs> a lot of people wonder why you don't ask me about it, and I'll clear the air right now. There's a gag order in place, and if I talk about it, there will be uh, repercussions. And I don't, look, I would love to talk about it, Jason. As you know, you and I have talked about it uh, uh, several times before. I would love to talk about it. But I can't. Um, but I, I yearn for the day when I can. Well, now I can talk about it, and and you know at some point <laughs> maybe I will. But or or you know it, again I I don't want you to comment. But you know I just don't understand how you can steal money from the state and spend it on a state university, uh, the, a university that the state owns. And we're acting like uh, you. And, you and, I, and I never home. received. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but and so it, it's all it's a gimmick and a shtick, and it's all the you know. Hey, what about Brett Farr? So you know, I, I pretty much ignored it. But man, I've appreciated you and Sap, two guys with gold jackets yeah. that really have elevated our football discussion, and and. Anyway, Brett, I, I've enjoyed you this football season. We want to continue the conversation yep. and continue to have you on the show. And uh, I'm, I'm going to off air. I, I want you to come to roll call so we can pray together and, and just, you know, praise Jesus together at least once in our life together. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I would love being on the show. I would love to continue it. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll just we'll stay in touch. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, that's Brett Favre. Uh, we're going to have Warren Sapp next. I want to ask you guys to make sure uh, that you're planning to come to Roll Call 2.0 this summer, June 1st, right back here in Nashville at Rocket Town. Uh, Roll Call 2.0, growth requires sacrifice. That's going to be our discussion this year. That's our focus this year. Growth requires sacrifice. We want to protect these American freedoms. We got to be willing to make sacrifices because that's what our ancestors did. They made sacrifices so that we could enjoy this freedom. Now we need to protect it. And if we're going to protect it, we got to be willing to make the same kind of sacrifices they made. So uh, make sure you get tickets right now. Uh, we got a great lineup of speakers. We'll be announcing some of them soon. Roll Call 2.0 right here at Rockettown, Nashville, Tennessee. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Fearlessarmyrollcall.com right now to buy tickets. Warren Sapp, next. Hello, Fearless Army. I'm Jason Whitlock, your leader. I'm going to spend 2024 discussing growth 
and sacrifice. Hard times are here. Harder times are coming. What has stopped American growth and caused a regression in fundamental freedoms and values? A lack of sacrifice. Our ancestors sacrificed for our benefit. We have not sacrificed to protect the progress they died for. No sacrifice, no freedom. What impedes man's willingness to sacrifice? His ignorance, his perversion, his pride, his ingratitude, and his cowardice, his rejection of God. The Bible is a story about the power and the necessity of sacrifice. Sacrifice is the sun, rain, and fertilizer of growth. Growth is our life purpose. Grow in the knowledge, wisdom, fear, obedience, and reverence to the Most High. Growth requires sacrifice will be our theme for Roll Call 2.0 this summer, June 1, right back here in Nashville. We're excited to welcome you. Let me spend a minute explaining what G-R-O-W-T-H actually stands for, for us in the Fearless Army. The G is for game plan. In order to properly grow, it's essential we work from the strategic game plan spelled out in the Bible. The R, responsibility. As we grow as men, we understand and accept our responsibilities to God, family, and teammates. The O, ownership. We embrace ownership of our destiny. Outsiders do not determine our fate. The W, wisdom. We honor, value, and share the wisdom imparted to us by elders, coaches, and leaders. The T, trust. We must be worthy of trust. The reliability of a man's word defines him far more than popularity and material possession. The H, humility. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and light. That's straight from Proverbs 22 and four. Come join us in Nashville as we talk about growth and sacrifice and how without sacrifice, there will be no growth. Roll Call 2.0 right here in Nashville, Saturday, June 1st. some football uh, with one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest guys talking about uh, football. Uh, this will perhaps be our final conversation about the 2023-24 football season and Super Bowl 58. Uh, we'll do that today with Warren Sapp and Brett Favre, but uh, let's roll out to the QB killer first. Uh, Warren, and I'm, I'm not going to start you with the results of the game. I'm going to start you with what I found to be the most interesting thing to happen in the game. Uh, Travis Kelsey uh, pushing, getting in the face of Andy <laughs> Reid and, and how uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo ignored it. Nate, Bur you, were, you were at the game, so you couldn't see this, but uh, Nate Burleson at halftime wouldn't let anybody talk about it. He talked over everybody about Bill Cowher. And now Travis Kelsey has come out and said in his podcast that he does with his brother that, you know, it was unacceptable what he did. But being at the stadium, were you even aware that this happened and then hearing about it? Big deal, little deal, no deal. What do you think of here at Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid? 
Oh, you know, I definitely hear about it at the game. There's no way you're hearing about anything. <laughs> I mean, I had to I had to find out about Greenlaw through a, a friend of mine that was sitting next to me. That was John Lynch's uh, high school teammate or something like that, or family friend or something like that. I forget what it was, but you know, a lot of drinking went on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, words are fine, and the thing I always tell you with Lock, and I'll tell anybody on any football situation, the play caller. You get to yell at Money Kiffin. I yelled at Money Kiffin more than any other coach I've ever had in my life. Me and him yelled and screamed at each other from distances, real close, far away. It didn't matter. Yes, the play caller gets yelled at by the players. Yes, no doubt about it. But I would never, ever put my hands on him. I wouldn't bump him, none of that. That He's right. You can say whatever you want to say, but let's not get physical. No, that's why I told Mike Sherman, get a jersey. Stop all that talking. Just get a jersey because <laughs> let's go and put our hands <laughs> on each other the right way because that's the only way I touch. That's the only way I touch is between the lines. And, and so you're having a completely different experience and, and I'm assessing that because you're not watching at home like 123 million other people. You're the most in the stadium. Ever. ever. Yeah. Uh, and so I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I, I do want to know, what was the Super Bowl like in Las Vegas? How, how did you did you enjoy that? It, I, you have to understand. In the, in the word in all greatness to Mr. Al Davis, that's a beautiful place. I mean, we went down underneath. You had to get a bracelet. The whole section had a. I had an underneath feeding frenzy. I, mean, I really, it really was. I mean, we talk about cut up lobster tails. We talk about shrimp, crab legs. What was that? A maki with uh, spicy tuna and caviar. Oh, I had about twenty of those. Yeah, it was really lovely. <laughs> I, I've been to a lot of Super Bowls, but that one right there, right at the top, right at the top, with the '93 uh, Cowboys beating the Bills, because that was my first one. So, yeah. Uh, so th- you're the perfect person to, to ask because <laughs> of one of my few fond memories of NBA All-Star Weekend Las Vegas Ooh. was running into you outside of a nightclub, and I can't remember which club, but I know you yeah. were there, NBA Las yes. Vegas uh, All-Star Weekend. So was I. How did – was the Super Bowl uh, – higher class than NBA All-Star Weekend Las Vegas. <laughs> I'd have to say yes. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, it was from a 3 to an 8. It was absolutely <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Rayos had a pop-up. You know, um, uh, Marshall does his culinary kickoff thing. I mean, the, the PA does a wonderful job with the lounge and the different things that go on. It's really, really, really nice. It's really, really nice. You ain't got to worry about a shooting or anything like that on the script. It was really, it was really nice. It wasn't a game it convention. Really, yeah, it I, wasn't I missed, a, you know. I missed you. It would have been a real nice thing out there, buddy. We, we'd had a good time. It was really nice. It was just too cold, damn cold. Oh, it was cold. It was cold. Really? I woke up Thursday morning. It was 40 degrees. Yeah, it was cold. It was cold. Yeah, that, 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 to you Florida boys, that's cold. To hey, us Indianapolis man, boys, that, that, that's 65. chilly. That's chilly. Anything, anything <laughs> under 65, baby. <laughs> uh, 
back to the Super Bowl. Everybody's mm-hmm. making a big deal about the San Francisco 49ers. Did they know the overtime rules? The players say they didn't. Uh, there are people like myself who think Kyle Shanahan uh, taking the ball rather than you know letting the Chiefs start first was like, did he know the overtime rules? Did he know that you know the other team was guaranteed a second possession and that you know you're basically giving Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes well they know they have four downs on every snap. Uh, big deal, little deal, no deal that. Uh, they didn't seem to be aware of how to uh, play in this overtime period at the Super Bowl. I think to Shanahan's uh, defense, his defense was dog tired. Dog tired after getting in the fourth quarter, Pat Mahomes going up and down the thing, running left, right, making plays happen. And I couldn't find Chase Young on the field anywhere. And when I saw Bosa, it looked like he was broke down. Looked like that old Chevy just wasn't, it had no more in the gas tank. I mean, it wasn't going to go no more farther. It was like an old Ford found dead on the road. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. That defense wasn't moving. So Shanahan went with his best option, and that was his offense. They drove the ball down the field. But like we know in the red zone, it gets tight, and you have to make decisions. And, hey, man, he kicked it and. <laughs> the most dangerous man I caught in the Super Bowl got his hands on that football. <laughs> what was it, 12 seconds left when he finished that the execution? It was basically the same play they beat him with in Miami in the flat. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think this whole overtime deal a bit overcooked in terms of Come the players on. saying they didn't know the difference and all of that. I think that's a little bit overcooked. The, 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 the thing that ended up getting them at the end, actually, was a player not knowing his assignment. Hello. Uh, the, the, Golf you is know, a line. Letting Chris Jones run free. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Chris Jones running free. Ayuk so, yeah. so wide open it don't even make sense. Jennings is open in the flat. I mean, what are they trying to do with Lock? I mean, tell me. I mean, they, they almost run into each other, and this monster comes at the quarterback who was playing a nice, lazy game that you know nobody nobody was going to notice. Two tackles. He, he, he was doing nothing. Chris, hold it for a second. You, now you're making me jump ahead. You're, Chris Jones, there are a lot of people that think, including uh, Nostradamus, thinks that uh, Chris Jones was the MVP of that game. Yeah, he put the picture of Hadley up. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 uh, he, he has Chris nah. Jones as his MVP. And I, I got to say, I halfway agree. Chris Jones had Stop. tremendous impact Stop. on that game. Stop. 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 Had a couple rushes when nobody did a good job on him. And other than that, no. I love the big man personal friend of mine, work with him. I talk with him all the time. No, not that not that performance. No. No. Not even a little bit. Jennings was an MVP of San Francisco wins. He throws a touchdown and he catches a touchdown. And you can't even argue with 399 total total offensive yards from the great Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Chris Jones had two tackles, boss. That's it. Trust me, you'll never find a defensive tackles game in the numbers. And I know what I was okay, watching. Okay, there you go. And I know what I okay, was watching. So you why are you throwing up his two tackles in his face you if you're saying don't judge him by the numbers? Tape. You want me to make the tape? 
He's standing up in the middle of this thing. Sometimes he's not even in the game. He's on the sideline. Stop it. That's my position. Don't do that. If the man dominated the game, you know I'd be the first one to tell you. Note your dumbass. Note your dumbass wouldn't know what a defensive tackle was if we pulled it on his ass. What are you talking about? Stop this. You've gone into my realm of expertise. I love Chris Jones. Love everything about Chris Jones. But no, not that Sunday. Chris was standing around. You, you do know Chris Jones will be coming to join you in football heaven, right? I mean, you, you know that. Listen, I'm, they've lowered the standing in football heaven, so it, it scoops up some regulars. The man's got three – he's on three Super Bowl championship teams. That's it. You just had to be on the team with Michael Irvin to get to, get to heaven with him? She had to be on the team with Michael Irvin, so let's put Moose Johnson in there, right? Huh? <laughs> Stop it. I'm talking crazy, man. Six-time oh, pro oh, somebody. bowler. Six-time pro bowler. How many defensive players of the year? None. How many times he led the league? Third once. I mean, third once. <laughs> Two is not a winner, and three, nobody remembers. What does it take to be number one? <laughs> Don't Sal, you know about Nelly got, Ville, man? Don't you know about Nelly Ville, man? Come on, stop talking crazy. He's got 75 and a half sacks in 123 games. Sap. The, the man, what, how old is Chris Jones? Like 30? Steve, yeah, McMichaels had 90, Steve McMichaels had 95 and the big man just joining us this year after, what, 26 years waiting? And how many Chris Jones got? Huh? And this man was on the vaunted. And, and this man was on the vaunted 85 Bears. Huh? Slow down, man. Okay, Chris Internet. Jones has, Chris Jones nah, has you get some other questions, two man. seasons Two seasons with 15 and a half sacks. Or two, two seasons with 15 and a half sacks. Defensive tackle. Okay. So what about the four-sack season and the three-sack season? Just going to throw those away? You know, those those bring down those averages real fast, right? <laughs> how, many, how many years is He's it? He's only had 75. No, 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 no. You're eight, nine, His rookie eight. year, his no, rookie year, year, he had two sacks. His rookie year, he had two sacks. His mm-hmm. worst season other than that in, what, seven other seasons? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight seasons. Eight. His worst year is two. Every other year, six and a half is his lowest. Keep working. Get your defensive player of the year. <laughs> Keep working. I just want you to show me that Man. signature game. Show me that game. Put the game on. Put the tape on. Pull out your popcorn, like T.O. like to say, and just pull the game out. You should be able to pull it out real easily and be like, here he is taking over a football game, right? Shouldn't be hard to find. If we're talking about a Hall of Fame player, as you say, shouldn't be hard. You shouldn't have to look for your highlights when you're a gold jacket guy. Should just come up like a turd in the punch bowl. Just just right there. He comes to the top. <laughs> uh, let me move on to Brock Purdy. I'm yes, not going to get the answer I want there for uh, Chris. No, uh, no uh, not Brock- after I watched it. It was lazy. It was a lazy performance. Trust me. He'll, he'll admit to it. He knows. There's a standing inside. Brock Purdy. 
You, you, you badmouth Chris Jones enough. Uh, <laughs> Brock Purdy, let's play a video. He admits that he has to be better, and I kind of left that game feeling like, hmm, San Francisco still got some work to do at quarterback. But let's hear from Brock Purdy first, and then I'm going to ask you if he's the quarterback of the future. Um, I got to be better um, in terms of, you know, leading the guys and, and just, you know, I think how I handle things in the huddle and telling them, telling them, you know, what to expect, stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think we had the team, the offense to, to score touchdowns, and I think I failed to put our team in position to do that. Uh, so, Sap, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to ask you if he's the quarterback of the future, and then part two of that question, I'll just leave the floor to you so that you can issue an apology to Cam Newton who labeled Brock Purdy a game manager. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you gotcha. Can, gotcha. You can, gotcha. a personal message to Cam Newton gotcha. apologizing to him for criticizing. Gotcha. So, the gotcha. floor is yours. Brock floor is yours. Purdy. Uh, Brock, I do like Brock as the future of the San Francisco 49ers. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with his performance Sunday or any other performance since he's been in there. You know, fastest adapting organism on the face of the earth is the NFL defense and he's been pretty good to avoid that the adjustment, you know, in you know, eating him up. San Francisco just had a mismatch that they couldn't counter in the Super Bowl. And that was the the defensive backfield for Kansas City. They locked him up. I mean, find me carry kills on the field. I mean, and we always talk about these tight ends inside there uncoverable because it's so wide open. He had two catches for four yards. Debo Samuel was on lock. Ray Ray had the 19-yard square in. You know what I'm saying? Ayuk had, what, three catches. Brandon Jennings was so wide open, he was jumping around going crazy in the, in the beginning. So they, they used him in the second half. He had four catches. Mike Shanahan, you got – I mean, Kyle. Kyle Shanahan, you got to come up with a better plan. The Kansas City Chiefs sat on top of them. They got to any crucial situation, and Spagnola does what Spagnola does. He zero blisses you. <laughs> you got to be ready for this. I mean, for some reason, somebody in Kansas City, for I mean, in San Francisco for two weeks, didn't see Kansas City, and Spagnola likes to zero blitz you whenever he gets to a third in any crucial situation. He's zero blissing you right now. You got to be able to protect it. But I like Purdy. I like Purdy. Brock Purdy. There's nothing wrong with him. They just, I mean, he didn't fumble the ball. Christian McCaffrey did. <laughs> I mean, when you fumble twice and Kansas City fumble five and you only get one of them, that's how the game's going to turn out for you. It's going to turn out a little crazy. So I have sources still uh, uh -oh. in Las Vegas, and, and I was told uh, that you and Cam Newton uh, crossed paths and, and had a conversation and, and you know, perhaps uh, buried the hatchet over, you, you call him a glorified running back. You, you care to share any details on that? Yeah, I called him a glorified running back to his face, and then I shared with him the two running backs that, you know, had more touchdowns than him, and he had one arm with Adrian Peterson, and I gave him the other one with Shady McCoy. And then he said, oh, that's good work. I said, of course that's good work by you. You, you. You're the red zone killer, no doubt about it. I mean, but the thing that we had to clarify, Mr. Whitlock, was Cam's definition of game manager. Cam said, because I, 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 I was like, 
when has game manager ever meant anything good to a quarterback? And he said, Tom Brady was the greatest game manager. I said, whoa. You know, I wouldn't know my medicine that morning, and I really wasn't in that, that frame of mind to, you know, go back and forth because I was on the media roll. You know, you don't really want to go back and forth. They cut the interview. You know, you go back and forth real fast over, you know, radio row. So, you know, I wasn't expecting this, and he sent his people over. So here we go. So I'm like, when has game manager ever been something good? And he was like, Tom Brady. I'm like, so game so it was just a misunderstanding of words by him. But if you look at his uh, fourth and one, the one that's on the Instagram, well, that's an editing genius. I didn't know you can cut something up like that. I didn't, I didn't know you can cut me up like that. I just thought you just let the big fella go. I'm like a bad cold. Just let it run its course. It's so weird. But, hey, man, it is what it is. It's fourth and one, and they said it's fit facts. But like I told the brother, I like his podcast. I like, share, subscribe, subscribe, and comment. We're going to see if we can break the algorithm for him and keep him moving around. But I just asked him to be a little bit more defining with his words because for a long time game manager was nothing that any quarterback wanted to be called. And I know he wouldn't have wanted to been called a game manager. So I don't know. And it's so a new age. He's we calling got, Tom Brady a game manager? Yes. A guy that threw 50 touchdowns, 25 of them to Randy Moss, and broke Jerry Rice all-time record. Are you kidding me? When you break Jerry Rice's name up, you broke his record? You ain't game managing shit. You are smashing ass left, right, up and down and all over the field. Come on, man. These kids with their semantics and their words, you know, ah, stand for something or fall for anything. That's what I say. So he's on tape, on video, called Tom Brady a game manager. Has, the greatest has that aired game yet? manager. Your greatest game manager of all time. You know what I told him? I said, son, just remember this when you're critiquing them quarterbacks. In the greatest game we have, you left that damn ball on the ground right in front of you, and you didn't stick your nose in there to go get it. Just remember that. Because that's, that's all I remember for you. Not the Superman poles, not the running touchdowns. I remember in the Super Bowl, you left that ball on the ground when your team needed you most. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. That's tough. All right. So That's tough. Tom Brady's not tough. a game manager. Not, not even nothing you even want to put beside the GOAT. We call that man the GOAT, not no game manager. What are you talking about? I mean, it, it don't even fit. That's that's the thing. That's the game they play now. I'm going to say something wild, and then I'm going to wiggle it around and say, you did a 180 on my show. Once that did a 180? I just conceded to him. I say, brother, I misunderstood game manager. Now that you've explained it to me, the guy that led the league in pass yards, the guy that led the league in pass touchdowns, the guy that was in the NFC Championship game up 24-10, and the guy that just played in the Super Bowl a couple of days uh, last Sunday, those are all game managers. So, hey, we got a new definition. Game manager ain't a bad thing to be in the National Football League, according to Cam. So, there you go. That's what I got out of the conversation. Other than that, he still I still respect this game for what he did. And uh, what was he wearing out at Super Bowl week? Did he 
was yeah, was yeah, no, 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 not in character. <laughs> the, tra- <laughs> the train conductor was not there. <laughs> we, had, we had we had we had a young man. We had a young man on with with a night. I mean, cause you know this thing. But I did. I I tell you something off air though. I did. I did see the loudest man in the room, and it was our six inch guy. <laughs> Walked in the room. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is that Barney? <laughs> That's what the suit looked like. Oh yeah, the purple on. Oh yeah, my purple goodness. on. All that. Oh my goodness. The blue colors. Yeah. What that? What Frank Lucas say? <laughs> The loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. <laughs> what did he call was it? Was he what, limping? What? Was it was was his knee hurt when he said? Oh no, no, he had a straight strut. You know, he had a straight strut. <laughs> that was not a limp. That was. Uh, a let me go back. Yes, sir. Let me yes. go back to football here. Cal Shanahan is taking a lot of heat. Are, are do are there legitimate questions about him and big game coaching? Yes, it is. And you know what? I, I was very fortunate to have a friend of mine send me some numbers. How about these numbers? Cal Shanahan's offense is in the playoffs as a head coach. As With the 49ers, he's 15 for 59, 25.4% on third down. He was 51% when he took Atlanta to the Super Bowl and lost that overtime game when they changed the rules. So how the hell the, co- the offensive coordinator don't know the rules now as the head coach? That's crazy. And with Washington, he was 5 for 11. So a total of 37 of 103 for 35.9%. He was 3 for 12 in the Super Bowl. 25%. So third down is the key. I call it the money down. Three more snaps for me, three less snaps for you. And then that gives me a chance to tire out your defense because that's what San Fran was with Pat Mahomes with his, what do you have, 13 play drive in, the, in overtime and the 11 play drive the last one? Yeah. No, shit, we used to do those in college. Remember those 12 play drives and we hated them? <laughs> hated them. 12 play drives. You had, you had to go 12 plays. They were going to make you go 12 plays. Nightmare. And to do that on the National Football League with the adrenaline and the. And I watched San Francisco defensive line. They didn't sit down the whole first half. They were watching the offense go up and down the field and dominate the game, and they were all excited. I mean, Greenlaw blew his Achilles jumping up and down before he even got on the field. Crazy, man. They were wasting a lot of energy in that first half, and they didn't have none in the second half. That fourth quarter rolled around. I couldn't find Chase Young, couldn't find Bosa. The defensive tackles were jumping up in the air from the beginning of the game. I mean, I, I've heard of swimming in the run game. With like, I'm gonna show you. A, I'm gonna send you a clip. One of them's in the air. <laughs> Kansas City's guard just got him by the leg. He was like, "What do I do with this?" He's got him in the air. In the air, both feet off the ground. I was blown away by it. Trust me, I look in the trenches very intently. That's why I know Chris Jones didn't have that game. Note your dumbass. <laughs> Uh, Andy Reid has a chance at a three-peat. Mm. Uh, I don't think he has a chance at getting six Super Bowl rings, but he has a chance at a three-peat. With that three-peat, could that put him on the same level as Bill Belichick? Big Red has two franchises that he has 100 wins. I think that, that picks him in very rare company too, doesn't it? 
And then if he wins this one, that'll be what? Four championships? Am I correct? Four? Yeah, he would have his fourth if he wins if he wins the third be, year. That'd yeah. be what Chuck that'd be Chuck Knox third with the Steelers. Row. That'd be Chuck Knox with the Steelers and Chuck No, Chuck No. Chuck No. Chuck, Chuck Knox is with the Rams. Chuck my bad, Chuck Noel. I'm not a Steeler fan anyway. I used to be a Cowboy man because I, th- I thought I deserved a star on my helmet. But that's another story for another day. So Chuck Noel got four and Belichick's got seven? Six. Six. Six, six without Brady. Six six with Brady and Brady got one without him. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Big Red. Big Red. Yeah, that's Big Red would never be questioned for his ability to coach on a, on a Sunday, Monday, or whenever the damn game is. I love him. He's he's one of those guys that you you get up for because he's definitely gonna bring his best for you. Him, Mike Holmgren, Gruden, some of them all. You know, uh, Billick, can yeah, one yard touchdown pass maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them guys, them guys bring their best for you. You better be on your game. Marty Schottenheimer, he gonna he gonna come with that a gap counter downhill. You better be ready. I mean, what you saw on tape is coming. So I hope you prepare for it, gentlemen, because that those are the men that that made this game. And Big Red is one of them. Yeah, he's one of the best. Absolutely one of the best. Other guy with the legacy. Ascending legacy, obviously Patrick Mahomes. For me, for me, because of the way they've feminized the game and Ill, you know tackling illegal, it's going to be hard for me to ever put Pat Mahomes on the same level as Brady and a couple other quarterbacks that played in more difficult eras. In your view, can can Patrick Mahomes end up being the goat at the quarterback position? I got one question. You you think Pat Mahomes will have an issue with that game that we played that was physical? No, but I I, I do think. But you still got to go through the wall. You still got to go through the wall. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. There, there. There's a little bit that it has lowered. That's I agree with you there. But boy, he played that game something special. I mean, we're talking about a kid. That did the triple option for us in the Super Bowl. I mean, the no look pass. I mean, the, the fire in his gut. I mean, they woke him up by told him he couldn't go beat Josh Allen on the road. He couldn't beat the MVP Lamar Jackson on the road. And no, 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 no. San Francisco, they made him another underdog. <laughs> What's the man? 12 0 1 or something like that as an underdog? Keep playing with this man. This man is something serious at this quarterback position, and he's powered by Big Red behind him, and they come up with all the little wrinkles and nooks and crannies and the, you know, the breadcrumbs that lead back to Grandma's house. They're beautiful in how they play the game. You just, I, 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 I talk about him like I talk about Brady. You got to surgically go cut his heart out because if you give him a shot in that ball, he's taking you home. There's nothing you can do to stop him. You know that old boy with that old horse voice? Yeah. When, when, when Joe Burrow say he was smoking Pat Mahomes, he woke him up for a lifetime, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did, because this young man right here, oh, was he 28, 29 years old? Oh, we're about to get the best of him, because he, he still don't know where he's at. I mean, they, and they, they haven't surrounded him. They haven't given him a Marvin Harrison, an Edron James, and a Reggie Wayne, and a Dallas Clark. <laughs> I, I told people, I say, 
Patrick Mahomes is going to introduce you to the San Francisco 49ers secondary as they're trying to make the tackles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's going to introduce you to people that you haven't even met. The guy catching the ball, number 12. Yeah, uh, what, What's the boy name? Miso Moore, uh, whatever. Uh, me, me Moore, me, M, Miko. What's, what's the kid that scored McCall the ball? Hardman. Yeah. McCall Hardman. Ain't even spelled right. <laughs> it was spelled right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know you could spell Mikhail like that. Mama's out there be getting it done, mama. Look, and, and that young man <laughs> didn't know the game was over either, Whitlock. Pat Mahomes had to tell him, you just caught the game winning touch. That kid didn't know. He didn't know the game went over. Trust me. It was more than the San Francisco 49ers didn't know what was going on. Bunch of these young kids ain't read a book and picked up nothing. They've been listening to their homeboys and they, you know, uh, timeline. They've been reading it all week. It was hot. It was hot for two weeks. <laughs> who who cares about the rules of overtime? Who? When have you ever seen a twin? All right, I got a bone to pick with the NFL. I got 47 and a half as the over-under. The NFL game is not over, especially when you done put – you know, all this gambling on your chest. You got to kick that extra point now. I get my over. You got to kick the extra point now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to put my money on the line, tell me all this draft kings and all this betting, then let's play it to the end. Give me my extra point. Give me my 48, because I've never seen a 25-22 football game. Had you? Before, before the Super Bowl. I walked around all week long point. telling my gambling friends. I, I walked around all week telling my gambling friends, take the over. The only way you lose if it's 25 to 22. Tell me when you see the NFL game end in 25-22. I should have bet 25-22 as the score. <laughs> <laughs> what would have been those odds? Ah, let's not talk about that. Another time, another place. I digress. Uh, <laughs> Sap, uh, we're done with football season. Uh, but I think we're going to want to bring you back just to talk. Uh, hopefully you know, uh, you're open problem. to that. You know that's not a problem, uh, brother. Anytime, anytime yeah. the fat guy want to get in the trenches with me and let's talk about something fun and have a good time. Hey, man, did you see Taylor Swift choke the beer? I think the NFL was like, we're done with this. <laughs> I didn't see her again on the TV. Did you? I'm asking because <laughs> I know you had a Taylor Swift uh, ticker in your head. How many times you saw after she, she choked a bit? <laughs> she was only on screen 54 seconds. And that yeah, was 54 she, seconds too many because they no, no, no. kept when putting she ice spice. Beer, yeah. When she chugged the beer, yeah. that was the end of it. I, I, what was <laughs> ice spice doing in that box? Well, what was Kanye's wife wearing at the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> so about, about as less as she's wearing as he's posted on his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same outfit, just in a couple different colors, if you could call those colors. <laughs> hey, man. I, I'm not going to ask you to respond, to it, but there's a bunch of things. Like, the shots they kept showing. Jay-Z's turning into uh, Whoopi Goldberg right before our eyes. Not going to ask you to comment on that, but at some point, I got to get to the bottom. Has anybody seen Whoopi and Jay-Z at the same time, same place? Hey, man, I just see I just seen a special coming up. Where's Wendy Williams? Have we seen her either? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's hosting Club Shay Shay, according to Mike Epps. Uh, 
I'm getting away from you, my man. I don't know what that got up to you in 2024. But Cat did say the truth come out. So here we go. Let's go. Let's get out of investigative work. <laughs> what am I going to do? I apologize for that. that that's not a problem. Anyway, not a problem. Uh, thank we you, Sap. We all sins. We just have to ask for forgiveness, my brother. You are forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sap. Uh, we'll see Sap again sooner than you think. Uh, uh, next, uh, we'll do some Tennessee Harmony, Anthony and Virgil. Next. A lot of conversation right now about Patrick Mahomes, and he's in the GOAT conversation. Uh, do, do, mm. where, where do you have Patrick Mahomes among the all-time great quarterbacks? Has he now surpassed Joe Montana? No, no what? Have, Tell me he didn't just say that. Oh, can I go Jamora? I want to go Jam Montana. Mon Montana? You kidding me? Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? No, not yet. Almost there. Stay on target. Almost there. All right, welcome back to Tennessee Harmony. Anthony and Virgil uh, with us. Uh, we're going to talk about the He Gets Us commercials during Super Bowl uh, advertisements. Uh, Anthony, if you could get us started with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, today's conversation and what it means uh, definitely biblically. Uh, help those that are listening to listen intently, uh, that their hearts are turned towards your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think we have the He Gets Us commercial, at least one of them. Uh, let's, yeah, the, he gets us commercial. I think this is about washing feet. Uh, let's play that. And TJ and I talked about this on Monday, but we wanted the expert opinions of Anthony and Virgil. Uh, let's play the commercial. Don't ask me what you know is true. I'm not a fan, but uh, we'll go to the experts. Anthony, you fire first. Uh, what do you think of this commercial? It is very difficult to teach a comprehensive biblical truth in snapshots. That's, that's the main problem I have with it. And the reason why is they have removed all of the context from the instance of Jesus washing feet 
They remove the context of Jesus's teaching. And when you do all that removing, now you can teach whatever you want to teach. I mean, they put the tagline up there. He washed feet. We have one recorded instance of Jesus washing feet. What's the context behind it? He washes his disciples feet. Um, this was not a regular occasion. This was not a teaching of Jesus to his disciples to say, hey, I want you guys to go throughout the rest of the world and and wash people's feet. It's not that. But when you remove the context, then you're left with he washed feet. The other piece that you see in the commercial is there's an image of someone washing feet at a you know family planning uh, clinic. Uh, we know that's going to be uh, their way of saying Planned Parenthood. And again, when we see Jesus washing feet, it's not in the context of hey, I'll wash anybody's feet no matter what's going on, no matter the context. Let me just wash feet. Um, lastly, it says that he didn't teach hate. He doesn't teach us to hate people, definitely, but he does hate sin. So again, when you try to remove the context and you want to give this blanket snapshot, you miss so much of what it is. In short, they're trying to present a comfortable palatable uh, Jesus. And they also are trying to presuppose that Christians are hateful. So they're actually rebuking Christians to say, let me tell you what Jesus was really about, not the hate that you all do. And they're equating in the commercial, they're equating hate with correction. When the scripture actually tells us a part of the work of the evangelist is to reprove, rebuke and correct. So correction is not hate and acceptance is not necessarily love. So it's a whole lot missing out of what they're trying to do. Excellent. Virgil. One of the things that they're trying to promote is the image of, of a social justice Jesus um, and, and a social justice Jesus uh, and a social justice savior uh, is not really necessary. All that that social justice Jesus does is make those who promote social justice feel as if they indeed are the savior. So we're not even looking at a Jesus of the Bible. Uh, the idea that he gets us, yeah, he gets us. He made us, he created us, uh, so he gets us. Uh, the problem is with those who put together this idea of, of he gets us promotion, they don't get Jesus. Uh, they, they, they're given a different gospel. They're given a different idea of who Jesus is. Uh, yes, Jesus loves us, uh, but, but he also transforms us. He also restores us. He also forgives us. He heals us. He delivers us. He redeems us. Ultimately, he saves us. And so all of that comes through repentance and faith in the finished work of the biblical Jesus Christ, not social justice Jesus. This is why... I'm comfortable being an old man shouting on the lawn and saying things were better back in my day <laughs> because they were better back in my day. And, and this is why I say that. Let's say that I have a 30 second, 60 second commercial that I want to air during Super Bowl and, and I want to talk about Jesus. What message would I send? Would it be, hey, he gets us? <laughs> or if I was, if I only had a short amount of time, it had to be a simple message. Why wouldn't it be he saves us? Mm -hmm. 
and, and this is why I say things were better back in my day, mm-hmm. is when we thought of religious symbols at football games and sporting events in my day, it was somebody wearing John 3.16 or, or holding up a sign, John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, mm-hmm. for whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. We went from that message of he saves us, here's your savior, to now nah, he gets you. And if you're, uh, if you're having an abortion, he gets it, he understands. Mm-hmm. If you're transgender, he gets you, he understands. Mm-hmm. We, we went from, in my lifetime, he saves us to now, Whatever fallen state you're in, God gets it. Mm -hmm. Things were better in my day, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I see see your point. I'm still on the side of, you know, the snapshot. His, His, the gospel was never intended to be taught through snapshot. It was, it was intended to come through the vehicle of the church. Um, through the the institution of the church, I should say, and through discipling relationships, through uh, study of God's word. That was how the gospel is intended to be shared. Snapshots, you miss so much context. I think why John 3.16 is so popular and so easy to digest, it's probably the one snapshot in scripture that is also comprehensive. But it's still missing some context. I mean, you you get it. I get it for those of us that have a religious background. But, you know, for God so loved the world, we've got to talk about who God is. We've got to talk about what loving the world means, because Mm -hmm. in Scripture, it also tells us that loving the world puts you at enmity with God. So I'd have to explain that. I'd have to explain what eternal life is. But it kind of gives you if you are somewhat, you know, church leaning, spiritually leaning, you can grasp a good deal out of John 3.16. That's about it. But if you take snapshots to try to teach a comprehensive message, so much is going to be lost. I, you know, I appreciate the, the effort, but what I'm really concerned about is the intent of the message. And what you're saying and what you see is the intent is this kind of all accepting, you know, like you said, it's okay. He gets it. He gets it. And like Virgil says, yes, he gets our tendencies. He gets our proclivities. He gets uh, our being tempted, but he also calls us to repentance. He also calls us to live holy. He also calls us to pursue God. I mean, so, you know, the whole, he gets us peace. It just, for me, it, it falls, it falls flat. Yeah. Virgil, you got a follow up or I, I can I got another question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I'm I'm a little bit more, uh, you know, just pointed at uh, this organization. They spent 17 million dollars on these ads and completely missed the mark altogether. Uh, they're, they're planning one hundred million dollars to put this message together. And it is a man centered uh, message. It is not a God-centered message at all. It's focused on love, love of man, this this Adamic love, uh, rather than the agape love that God d- demonstrates through the giving of His Son, as you guys are mentioning with John three sixteen. Uh, this is this is uh, God's love on display apart from any other aspect of who He is. He is also a just God. 
Uh, and as a result of his justice, uh, we're going to see his wrath against sin. Uh, scripture even tells us, uh, in fact, Jesus even says, uh, Luke 14, 16, we have a recorded. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, he must hate his own father and mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters. He must even deny his own life or else he cannot be my disciple. What, last thing I'll say, when Jesus comes on the scene to preach, uh, his message is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It has nothing. I mean, this idea that he gets us and he's just wandering around with flowing hair, waiting to wash people's feet is absolutely, uh, it's completely opposite of the picture that we have in, in the scripture as it relates to our sin-filled condition and our need for repentance. So I want both of you guys uh, to interpret the washing of feet and the washing of his disciples' feet. I interpreted it, and this is why I want you guys to give me a more expert opinion. When I think of that, I think what an amazing sign of humility and gratitude. Like, he knows that he's dealing with mere mortals and he wants to show, I, you guys are doing something incredible and I wanna demonstrate you, to you the kind of humility and gratitude that I'm filled with. That's what I think of when I think of the Washington feet, but I'm sure there's more context to it mm -hmm. than clearly I, I, I'm my takeaway, but that's my baby takeaway. It's an extension of Jesus's teaching of, of servant leader, leadership. So several times there would be instances with Jesus and the disciples and their view of what leadership looked like in the world was always domineering and lording over. And Jesus kept having to re-emphasize this, no, this is servant leadership. He tell, they say, hey, who can be great? Who can, he said, if you wanna be great in the kingdom, you gotta serve. Well, well, who can be great? And Jesus says, which one is greater, the one who's seated at the table or the one who's serving the table? He's re-enforcing this. And even this is a reinforcing of the kind of leadership that you must have in his kingdom, a servant leadership. It wasn't just about the cleansing aspect because Peter, you know, he sees himself. I'm not even worthy to be a part of this Lord. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a part of me, I got to wash your feet. And Peter says, well, hey, wash all of me because he sees himself as just completely filthy. That's the humility. But Jesus is, again, reinforcing this servant leadership that we have as Christians. Virgil. Yeah, no, I, I, there, not much to add to that. I think he's spot on. Just from a practical standpoint, the, the manner in which they traveled, uh, the feet, the, you know, the, the sandals, the kind of equipment that they had to, to move about when you walked into someone's house from a practical standpoint, uh, it just made sense for feet to be washed in the way that we would think about washing our hands before a meal. So it's, it's something very practical from, from that standpoint. And this, this aspect of serving and of service uh, is demonstrated in this way. Uh, you had in scripture, the woman uh, who who uh, meets Jesus and she's she's uh, weeping and she you know washes his feet with her hair and and pours uh, you know oil on on her. And we, we have that 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 record in scripture. Uh, 
uh, about how she was preparing him for burial, a sign of her, her, her servanthood, her lowly state. Uh, but she was recognizing who Jesus actually was. And so you have these 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 glimpses of a, of a part of culture, uh, a part of their uh, experience, but also a demonstration to the point that Anthony is making of the servanthood, the servant nature of, of the act of washing feet. Let me let me underline as well. You know, you also have to put this in their relationship with Christ. He is their rabbi. He's their teacher. He's someone that if anybody is going to be sitting in this room, man, we need to wash your feet. And so to see him, their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord, turn around and wash their feet. It also teaches this that, hey, no matter how high you are, no matter how elevated you are, whatever position status, we can never be so high that we can't serve somebody else. Jesus teaches this. But the problem is, okay, we we see that as it is in context, but the problem is they're taking this to the extreme of he's just washing anybody's feet. He's washing people's feet who are following after his path. He's washing people's feet who are interested in, I want to be like you are, Jesus. He's not washing people's feet who, hey, we don't want to participate in this you know, gospel stuff. We just want to keep doing our own sexually immoral thing. However, here are my feet. That's, that's not the dynamic. So literally, I'm not saying, but if they wanted to be more accurate, they would have shown... Uh, Pastors, perhaps getting their feet washed, or, or washing washing the feet of you know someone in their congregation, yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. A, a deacon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if yeah. they wanted, if they wanted to be accurate, that's what they wanted. But to I mean, do. even as you said, you know, not to cut you off, but even as you said, for that amount of money, for that amount of time, we can present again John three sixteen. Have a reading of it. Get some, you know person with a deep voice or whatnot to read it again, some beautiful imagery, put the words on the script that. And that's the thing about, you know, trusting in God, believing in the work of his word. I believe that. I believe that. So if you really stand on that, I don't have to refinangle this in a way that's going to be hip to culture. That's going to be whatever. It says what it says, put it out there and man, watch God work. With I tell you, I would have done a commercial based off of, uh, you said it and it, it really hit home for me a few months ago and I've heard it before, but when you said it, it's like, oh, now that I'm really deep off of it, it really hit me. But, but I would have done a commercial about, you know, he is your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And let's don't forget that first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we'll all sign up for a Savior. Yeah. But, but he's also my Lord. Is, yeah. Is, is oh, the yeah. problem. So yeah. uh, let's put our money together, Jason, and we'll get a, <laughs> we'll get a $7 million spot. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we'll cue up some harmony and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Now 
Yeah. 